Well, good morning. It's really, really good to be with you this morning. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bibles and open up to the Old Testament book of Joshua, which is where we're going to be in just a few minutes together. And again, just uh, really a lot of things I'm personally thankful for this morning. I was just standing here singing together with you, and some things were going through my mind. I'm, I think this every Sunday, but this Sunday especially, I'm really glad you're here. <laughs> when you have, uh, with everything going on, I thought today might just be me and Jennifer here. I wasn't sure how it was going to turn out, but glad you're here. It's a joy to uh, be with you in worship. I, I don't know how many of y'all have had those awkward moments already like me. You know, it's six-foot Sunday, which means six-foot zone, right? Maintain all that. Do I shake hands? Do I high-five? Do I, what do I do? I have, I've had those awkward moments too, so that's just part of being here together. But really honored to be able to worship with you today as God's people. And really thankful for Daniel leading us through that a little bit earlier, what it looks like in the life of our church, decisions we're trying to make and all that. So really thankful to be a church that's led in plurality, especially thankful for that this week. Your elders have been wrestling with some of these things, continue to do that in prayer. And you pray for your leaders, we're praying for you. And some of these decisions are not easy, so you continue to pray for your leaders and Got to say, I'm really, really thankful for the Word of God this morning. Uh, I've been looking forward to all week, and again, not knowing what it was going to look like, but just anxious to come in with everything else that's going on and do something somewhat normal, open up God's Word and look at the Scriptures together. So let's do that this morning. Go, go ahead, if you haven't already, turn to Joshua chapter 1. There, there's uh, Bibles in the seat pocket in front of you. That's our gift to you. You can take those Bibles home with you. Uh, you can take the Bibles. You can't take the toilet paper from the bathroom. You have to leave that. So don't even think you can come to church and get toilet paper. I know there's shortage, but you can take that Bible if you need a copy of God's Word. But. So as we walk through the Old Testament together and we're walking through the Bible 2020 series together, just so thankful and reminded that we planned this series over a year ago. God knew all that was going on. God knew exactly where we would be today. God knew exactly where we were going to be in the book of Joshua, of a man, Joshua, who's leading a people into great unknowns. They're, they're going into the promised land. The, the wandering is over. The 40 years have passed. They're now on the verge again to go into the land of Canaan. And man, there's a ton of unknowns and uncertainties. There's an abiding principle that really is kind of the overarching idea that we want to look at today as we go into the book of Joshua. But this is true 3,400 years ago. This is true in March 2020. And here's the biblical principle that's true that we're going to look at this morning for all of us. We as God's people walk by faith and not by sight. Can I just tell you how important that is today? Can I just tell you how important that is to get our minds and our hearts around that as we look at this story of Joshua? And here's kind of a, an application of that, that the life of a Jesus follower is to be distinctly characterized by a growing trust, a rock-solid confidence, and listen to this, just a deep dependence on the God who we can't see a whole lot more than all the stuff we can't see. We walk by faith. And listen, let's be balanced. And faith, biblical faith, does not deny reality. Joshua is getting ready to lead a people into the promised land, and there's no denial that there's going to be fortified cities, there's going to be giants in the land. 
There's going to be battles to be fought. There's going to be uncertainty. The Bible doesn't deny that in any way. But the Bible does call us to see those things from a different perspective. From the eye of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 says, you have to turn there, but it says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. In other words, faith is to be this gift from God. By the way, we don't generate faith. The world's view of faith is not something I conjure up. I don't just, you know, hang up a sign in my wall and say, you've got to have faith. That's not where faith comes from. In fact, Ephesians 2 says, this kind of faith is not from you. It's generated by God, by his spirit, through his word, as we build our lives and our perspectives on the truth of what God has said. Faith comes, and we're going to see that this morning, by what God speaks to be true. So faith is, is not that, but without this kind of faith, it's impossible to please and walk with God. This morning, as we come to the book of Joshua, here's kind of, again, I've already painted it for you a little bit, but here's the context. The, the 40 years of wandering are over. We're finally out of the book of Numbers. All right, We're, we're to the, the time of conquest. Joshua and the children of Israel, a million strong, are poised Transjordan, which means on the other side of the Jordan River, kind of the land of Moab there. They're getting ready to, to go into the land of Canaan. The Jordan River is separating the people of God from the land of promise. And here's Joshua, who is now called and commissioned by God to lead God's people into the land of promise. Would anybody want that job? I wouldn't. So as, as we walk through the book of Joshua, you have to feel what Joshua is experiencing. You want me to fill the, shows, the shoes of Moses? And I've been walking with these people for over 40 years now. I know the challenges. I know the difficulties. I'm now the guy that's going to lead, if you will, these people into the land of promise. So God's going to do his work in the heart of his leader here, Joshua, before they ever go into the promised land. So look in Joshua chapter 1. Let's hear what God has to say first to Joshua the leader. Verse 1 says, And after the death of Moses... The servant of the Lord. The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, or Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, Joshua, you arise, you go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. Now, God says, I'm giving you this land. I'm promising ahead of time. I've already done everything necessary. You are to walk by faith. The land is yours. I imagine in Joshua's mind, he's thinking, oh, I've been here before. <laughs> you remember just a few weeks ago, we were in the book of Numbers, and Joshua was 40 years younger, and he was one of 12 spies who went into the same land, same giants, same cities to take the land. Ten of the spies come back out and they over-exaggerate the situation and they create panic and fear among the people. And instead of, what's this, walking by faith, they walked in fear and unbelief and the, disaster, the, the results were disastrous. So here's Joshua thinking, Lord, I, I don't want to repeat what happened back in Numbers 13 and 14 in Kadesh Barnea? God, I want to lead the people by faith, not by sight. I want to lead the people by faith and not by fear. 
So God continues and he says to Joshua, he says, okay, verse three, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, Joshua. Man, this is an incredible promise. Every place your foot is gonna tread in the land of Canaan, I have gone before you and I've already given it to you just as I promised to Moses. Imagine how encouraging that is for Joshua. God, I, God, I hope I make the right decision here and God, I hope I make the right decision here. And he could just get bound up with all these decisions. And God says, oh, hold on, Josh. Wherever you go, I'm with you. Isn't that encouraging? Whatever you face, I'm with you. Whatever comes your way, I'm with you. Let's go, Joshua. So the big truth this morning, we've already talked about it. I'll give you this, and then we're going to give you... Five or six big ideas as we have time this morning. Your big truth is this. We walk by faith and not by sight. What does it look like in the life of Joshua and the children of Israel here to walk by faith, not by sight? Let's keep going. Verse 5. So God continues to Joshua and he says, No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. Man, what comforting words. And just practically, can you imagine the pressure on Joshua to fill the shoes of Moses? I mean, this, this legend, this giant, if you will, had been leading the people for all these years. Now Joshua is going to step into his shoes. And, and God says, Joshua, just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. In other words, it's not about the person who's filling the role. It's about the God who provides and promises. God who will lead through now his tool is Joshua into the land of Canaan verse 6 be strong and courageous for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them here's your first big idea flowing out of that verse is this faith depends on God's promises and presence faith as the Bible calls us to, is not always, it's not rooted in your feelings. In fact, it may be completely contradictory of our feelings. It's not based upon the circumstances. I assure you, you don't conjure it up. Faith depends on God's promises and God's presence. He promises his presence here. He promises the land is yours. In other words, Joshua, you're not going out in presumption. Joshua didn't enter the promised land and said, well, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen, but I just think it's going to be all right because I got this good feeling down in my soul. I think it's going to be all right. No, I'm going forward because God has spoken. And I don't mean in some mystical, magical vision. I mean, God has spoken and we have it declared and written for us. We know what God is saying because he's given it to us. So Joshua doesn't go out in presumption. He goes out rooted, based, and depending on what God has said. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. If you notice, he repeats this over and over. I was reading this passage to my little girls the other night, and, and Maya looked at me and go, you already said that, Dad. Well, maybe it's because the Bible says it three or four times, and there's a reason for that. Joshua, in his flesh, and the people of Israel have every reason to not be strong and to be very fearful. Humanly, again, faith doesn't deny reality here. 
They're going to face some things in the promised land that you can't imagine. They're facing some mean, wicked people in the promised land. And God, over and over, three different times here, says, you be strong. You be very courageous. Where does that come from? Being careful to do all the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success. Watch this. Wherever you go. You might want to mark that in your Bible. There's a little bit of the mystery of God's will taken away here because sometimes we think as Christians, well, I've got to know exactly the right decision to make. I don't want to miss this decision. Here's what God says to Joshua. Immerse yourself in the word of God. Saturate your mind with the word of God. Walk in wise counsel, and I'm with you wherever you go. With you wherever you go. I'll give you good success wherever you go. Keep going. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. I love that. It's as if God is saying, listen, when you are instructing my people, don't let the word of God depart from your mouth. Whatever you are saying, make sure it's saturated with the truth of God's word. Would it change things if everything we listened to throughout the week was saturated with the truth of God's word instead of all the media that's just overwhelming to us? I tell you, this week, I had to turn some of my apps off. I just got just overwhelmed with everything I was hearing. Says to, says to Joshua, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth, verse 8. But, this is really practical for you and me. I want to camp out here for a minute. Says to Joshua, Joshua, I want you to meditate on this book of the law. All he had at this point was really Genesis through Deuteronomy that he had the recorded word of God through Moses. And he says, but you shall meditate on this book of the law day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. What will be the outcome? For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. This is not prosperity gospel. This is wise decision making. This is decisions made from the perspective of God's word. That's the biblical idea of good success and prospering, making wise decisions. From a mind and a heart saturated in what's true, not what's rooted in fear. So let's dive into this word a little bit. This is so practical. He says, meditate on it day and night. Here's big idea number two for you. Come straight from that phrase. Faith thinks God's thoughts. <laughs> in other words, Proverbs says, as a man thinks within himself, so he is. Are your thoughts... Are your perspectives that, that are driving your decisions more shaped by what you're hearing from the world or more shaped by the absolute truth of God's living, life-giving word? He says, meditate on this book of the law. The word meditate here means to read with thoughtfulness. It means to linger over the scripture. It, 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 one word picture is the idea of chewing. And we've talked about this before. It's like a, a cow chewing the cud, right? Everybody gets that here at East Tennessee. They, they eat the food in the morning, and then they spit it up throughout the day, and it comes back in their mouth, and they chew on that grass throughout the day to get every little blast nutrient out of it. That's one of the word pictures of the idea of meditation. Another word picture of the idea of meditation, of this, 
lingering over scriptures from a guy named Donald Whitney. If you're part of the seminary cohort here, you know a man named Donald Whitney. He's so good with spiritual disciplines. He says this. He says, it's like a teacup. Go ahead and put that picture up just so you can get this in your mind. It's, it's, like, it's like a cup of tea. Our minds are the boiling hot water. The, the little tea bag is the word of God. Now, watch this. Hearing God's word is like one dip of the tea bag into the cup. Some of the tea's flavor is absorbed by the water, right? We've all seen that. Dip a bag in the water one time. Some of that tea fills the water. You pull it right back out. That's like hearing the word of God. It's good. He says, reading, studying, memorizing God's word are like additional plunges of the tea bag into the cup. The more frequently the tea enters the water, the more permeated its effect. So you keep dipping that bag, right? The more and more you do that, the more saturated that water becomes with the tea. You get in the picture? But then he says, meditation, this long lingering over the word, this chewing on it in our thoughts before we go to bed, when we wake up, this saturation with God's word. Meditation, however, is like immersing the bag completely and letting it steep until all the rich flavor has been extracted and the hot water is thoroughly reddish brown from the tea. Meditation on scripture is letting the Bible brew in our brain. And our thoughts began to be permeated with truth. And our emotions begin to be guided by truth. And our decisions begin to be guided by truth. And our first instinct and our first reaction is not the flesh. It's the truth of God's word. And that produces a success and a flourishing wherever you go. Because you take this heart saturated with the word of God wherever you go. God says, listen, Joshua. Before you lead God's people, before I give you one ounce of military strategy, before I give you one directive of how you're going to do it, I want you to be a man of worship and your heart and your mind saturated with the truth that comes from my mouth. Isn't that good? Can I just give you a practical example of this really quick? Listen, I, all kinds of stuff coming our way this week and all kinds of decisions to be made and you know, you, what is overkill and what's fear and what's wisdom and all. You've wrestled with all of that. I mean, I just had to go to the place. I just need to sit before the Lord and linger before him for a while. I don't know if, you part, if, if you're reading through the Bible reading plan with us. I hope on Saturday you came to where we read through the Psalms on some of the days. But Psalm, this week was Psalm 46. I mean, I got to Psalm 46 on Saturday. It says this, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. I just tell you, I didn't read over that. I stopped and camped and lingered there for a while. The next verse says, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should shake or change and the mountains should slip into the heart of the sea. Though it looks like everything's coming unraveled, we will not fear. Verse 10 of that section says, Cease striving and know that I am God. The Lord of hosts is with you. The God of Jacob is your stronghold. And I don't want to just read over that. I don't want to even just memorize it. I want to memorize it and I want to go throughout my day and chew on that truth. 
And that's the truth of God's word permeating my thinking and my mind and my heart and the encouragement and the strength. And I'm able to lead my family more successfully. I'm able to speak into this church more successfully. I'm able to do what God is calling to do because my mind is saturated in the word of God. Brothers and sisters, saturate your mind in the word of God. Think God's thoughts. Faith is impossible if our mind is not saturated in God's word. Big idea number three. I'm going to give you a few more as, as we go. So big idea number one is faith is, it depends on God's promises. Number two, faith thinks God's thoughts. Number three, faith obeys God's commands. Now the Bible's very clear. Biblical faith is a faith that involves our thinking but it equally involves our actions. Faith without works is dead, says James. There's this understanding that faith is only this cognitive reality. No, 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 no. Biblically, it's a cognitive reality, yes, in our heart and our soul, but it also involves our actions. Stepping out in faith. Let's see that. Faith obeys God's command. Look with me at chapter 3 very quickly. Chapter 3, verse 9, we're going to pick up there. The people of, of Israel are now, they've sent some spies, a couple spies into the land. They've, they've Checked out the city of Jericho. They, they come back and they're poised right on the verge of the river Jordan. And they're ready to go in. And Joshua says to the people, verse 9. Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Behold, verse 11. The ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you in the Jordan. Meaning, you're going to cross this Jordan, and the Ark of the Covenant, carried by the priests, is going to go first. My presence, God says, is going to precede you. It's going to cross the Jordan, verse 14. So, when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people... As soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan. So the priests go first. They're carrying the ark. They come right up to the verge of the Jordan River. As soon as the priests come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped into the brink of the water. Verse 16. The waters coming down from above stood up and rose up in a heap very far away at a city called Adam. Let's stop right there. So the picture you would think is this. The children of Israel are in their camps on this side in Moab. They're waiting for the parting of the Jordan River because they got to get through the Jordan River. They're thinking back what happened at the Red Sea. You might think that God says, okay, I'm going to part the Jordan River and then you go through on dry ground. It's not the way he does it here. He says, you step out in faith and as soon as... This is huge. As soon as the foot of the priest steps on the water of the river... That's a step of faith, by the way. The water is going to be pushed back in a great heap all the way to a city called Adam, and then the people will be able to walk through on dry ground. Here's the point. Watch this. The provision and power of God was experienced as faith was exercised in obedience. Y'all hear that? Stay with me. Very good. The Provision and power of God was experienced as faith was exercised in obedience. Here's what we do. Here's what I do. Here's what you do. Lord, I'm, I'm going to give you an example. 
I'm going to share the gospel with my neighbor as soon as I feel like I have power and courage. To which God says in his word, I've already given you power and courage by the presence of my spirit in you. If you will walk in obedience, you'll experience that power. But you got to step out in faith. We say it this this way sometimes. I'm going to trust God with the first fruits of my income when I can get ahead and have a little margin. To which God says, no, you honor me first and trust me with everything else and watch my provision and my power in your life. Some of you are faced with major life decisions and you don't know how God is going to work it out. You don't know how you're going to overcome the challenges. You know what the word of God says and you're waiting on this end to feel the strength to do it when sometimes like this, God is saying, when you step out in faith, it is then you will see the power and the provisions of God. But faith is not empty. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is rooted in what God has said. Does that make sense? It's huge for us. Some of us say, say things like this. I'm going to jump into that life group when I, when I feel the margin or I, I get everything in my life organized. And God says, no, no, pursue community. Pursue others. And watch how I give you the provision and the power to obey me further. I'm convinced, and this is a prayer of mine, that there are some, I'll take it to an extreme, in this church who are wrestling with a call to cross-cultural mission, but you're not stepping out in faith because everything hasn't lined up yet when God may be saying, no, you step in faith to my word and watch how I provide and empower you. That's what happened here. When their foot hit the water of the top of the Jordan, whoosh, the waters were pushed all the way back to a city called Adam. And the children of Israel walked through on dry ground of the Jordan. So number two, faith walks in obedience to God's command. Number four, give you a couple more. So number four, we, we progress on and we move on up to chapter five. So just kind of turn your Bible there to chapter five. The children of Israel, they've crossed the Jordan River. They, they now come to their first Second, really, but their first challenge within the promised land, they come to the city of Jericho. Now, if you're a parent, VeggieTales songs are going through your mind. I know that. Joshua in the battle of Jericho, all that's going through your mind. I get it. But the city of Jericho represents the first major challenge within the land of promise. The, the walls of the city were fortified. In fact, they were a double wall. The first wall was six feet wide. Second, second wall was 12 feet wide. Between those walls, they built these structures, and that's where people lived in between those walls. So they look, could look over the city and guard the city. That's where Rahab lived in this wall. It was up on a hill. It was this massively fortified stronghold of a city, and God says, go take the city. God meets Joshua back at the end of chapter 5 and gives him some marching orders and, and tells him how it's going to all play out. And then you come up to chapter 6, and I'm going to go ahead and give you this big idea, and then we're going to explain it. Faith displays the greatness of God. Sometimes when God calls us to step out in faith according to his word, the reason is, is it's, the result is going to be it's undeniable God did that and not Mike. God was the one who provided for that and not you and not me. Our salvation works that way, by the way. Why is the foolishness of the cross the means for our salvation? Because only Jesus is worthy to atone. And at the end of the day, no one can boast that you saved yourself. No one but the power of God. 
So here they go. They're headed toward the city of Jericho. God has said, take this city. Destroy this city. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Look with me very close. Now, Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. Does that sound familiar to anybody this week? <laughs> the first quarantine in history was the city of Jericho right here, Joshua chapter 6. Nobody going in, nobody coming out for fear of the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. I've accomplished it already for you, Joshua. Yours is to now walk in faith. He said, I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and its mighty men of valor. So there's a conversation that goes on here, and we won't take time to read it, but Joshua as if it's to say, okay, God, I got it, but what's the battle plan? Are we going to pull out the ramparts, and are we going to pull out the siege, the siege walls, and are we going to use the battering rams? Are we going to throw huge fireballs down into the city? How are we going to take this massively fortified city? And God says, the priests, the Ark of the Covenant, and, blow, and you're going to blow a trumpet. <laughs> what? Yeah, you're, you're going to get the priests, and they're going to carry the Ark of the Covenant, and you're going to get the people, and they're going to walk around in silence for seven days, one time a day until day seven. Then you go walk seven times. You're going to get the priest, the Ark of the Covenant, and get ready. On day seven, we're really going to get them. We're going to blow a trumpet. Let's be honest. You're Joshua, and you hear that, and you go, okay. Well, I mean, we read this, and we know what happens on the backside, but we, we forget. Joshua now has to take this that he's received from the Lord and go to the people of Israel who never grumble about anything, right? Here's what we're going to do. Get the priests, get ready to march, get the marching band, practice your trumpets. We're going to go take the city of Jericho. Here's the point. It, the, the method was not the point. It was their faith in God. And the method was so organized in such a way that no one in Israel and no one in the land of Canaan would be able to say, look how smart and how militarily wise these Israelites are. No, no, no. Look how great the God of Israel is. That's the point. And in your life, when we act in faith, even though it doesn't make sense, even though it's not what the culture is saying, it's not to boast us in any way, but it is for the world to say, Man, their God must be great. When there is peace in the storm, when there is a sense of contentment, when everything seems to be unraveling, when you're holding on to the wisdom of God's word, the world is to look and go, man, what's different about you? Oh, there is one true God, and he has spoken in his word. That's what the world's to see. So this continues on, and they, they kind of get the battle plan, and they practice blowing their trumpet and all that, and they say, okay, so they march around six days, one, just one time. They come back to camp. Then we go to day seven, verse 15. On the seventh day, they rose early in the morning at the dawn of day. And they marched around the city the same manner, this time, not once, seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. Verse 16, at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. It's an incredible story. I know you're familiar with this story. So they march around. The last time they stop, they blow the trumpets, they shout, and the city walls came in, and God gives them the city of Jericho. So it could be undeniably declared, God did this. God did this. 
And that's our Christian life. God did this. Pastor Mike, why do you think they did it for seven days? We don't know for sure, but seven days seems to be indicative of God's mercy. In other words, is God slow about his promise? Peter said, no, God's never slow about his promise, but so that none will perish, God is merciful. The seven days of marching around seem to be a season so that the Gentiles of that land would have an opportunity to repent before the trumpet blew and destruction came. Does that sound familiar? That's what's going on, God's mercy. So, Pastor Mike, why the trumpet? I mean, what's the point in all that? Does that have us... Well, in the nation of Israel, the trumpet was very symbolic, and specifically, the trumpet was blown every 50 years on something called the year of Jubilee. And you know what happened on the year of Jubilee? The trumpet would be blown, and all land would be returned to its original rightful owner every 50 years. So here's the children of Israel coming back into their land that was entrusted to them by God so many years prior. And now the trumpet is blowing as if to say the land is being returned to God Almighty, the rightful owner. And then he allots it out to the children of Israel. By the way, will there be a time in the future another trumpet is going to sound? Better believe it. Revelation chapter 11, you don't have to turn there, but it says this. In the future, the kingdom of the world, the trumpet blows, the, the last trumpet blows the book of Revelation. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our God, Revelation, and his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. And all that is on the earth is restored and returned to its rightful owner, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who has dominion. And you know what he does? Matthew chapter 5 says, the meek shall inherit the and those that have been, those that are part of the family of God will reign on the earth. This story in Jericho is to be indicative of even the future times when Christ reigns on the earth. It's a beautiful picture. So the Bible continues, verse 17, we're almost finished, and says, And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. So as you're reading along, you may have just read right over that. But remember, the children of Israel have been wandering around in the, the desert for like 40 years. And their shoes are wearing out. Their clothes are wearing out. And they don't have Amazon.com they can order anything on. Everything they have is old. And they come to this city of Jericho that's full of riches. Full of them. Full of gold. Full of wealth. And God says, by the way, when you go through the city of Jericho, you don't get to take any of the stuff. Why? Because the city of Jericho is a picture of first fruits, meaning it is the first God provided, and because you trust God and his future provision, you are going to honor God by offering everything back in the city to him. It's a picture of first fruits. That's the way our lives are to be orchestrated. Honor God first because he owns it all and trust him for the rest. Jericho is to be a picture of that. So in all of this, they are to walk by faith because in their faith, they are honoring the God who provides. You see that? Now, now time's almost up. I've just got two more quick points. I'm going to make these and we're going to be done. I'm going to make them together. One of the things you see in the children of Israel as you read over the next few pages is two, two more big ideas. Here's big idea number five. I'll give it to you. Faith falters in isolation. 
there was a man named Achan, and you probably read about Achan, and there's, there was this band that was given in Jericho. You don't get to take any of this stuff. Achan kind of got out on his own. Achan kind of operated by himself, and he took some of the stuff under the band, probably toilet paper, I don't know, took it back to his tent and hid it under his tent thinking nobody would know about it. The city, the, the children of Israel are about to attack Ai, the next city. They get defeated, and it's revealed the reason they're defeated is because one among you has gone against what God said. Watch. One among you is kind of doing his own thing and acting in isolation. And you can read about the story here of, of Achan. You can read about it in chapter 8, verse 20, or chapter 7, verse 20. In other words, the point is, Achan acted independently from the people of God, and his faith faltered. That's why the pursuit of community, and that's why the pursuit of the gathering, and that's why the pursuit of the people of God being together, whatever form it takes, is vital to your faith and my faith. That's why the Bible says that we are to encourage one another day after day, so long as it is today, that our heart will not be conceited or, or distorted by the deceitfulness of sin. Achan got out and kind of did his own things. The, the desire for the stuff just overwhelmed him. He knew what God had spoken, but he was on his own and he was weak. When we isolate ourselves from the people of God, our faith weakens. And we will make horrible decisions. Number six. And we're done. Exact opposite. I want you to flip over to chapter 8 and we'll finish there. Find your place around verse 33. Opposite of big idea number 5 is big idea number 6. And I'll just give it to you and then we'll look at it here. Faith struggles in isolation. Faith falters in isolation. But faith flourishes in community. After they've gone through the city of Jericho and after they've gone through the city of Ai, they have a gathering of God's people and they worship together. Children of Israel still have 29 cities to conquer, much of the land to conquer, but they gather here. And I'll pick up in 833 and we'll finish there. And the team can come on up and just begin to play. 833, it says this, And all Israel, sojourner as well as native-born, with their elders and their officers and their judges, stood on opposite sides of the ark before the Levitical priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord. So all of Israel gathers together. They got the priests, they got the people, they gather around the ark. What did that mean? They were acknowledging and celebrating the presence of God. They were gathered to do that. Verse 34 says, And afterward, he, Joshua, read all the words of the law, all five books, I guess. Talk about a long sermon. And he gave place to the teaching and the reading of the word of God as the people were gathered. He says, the blessing and the curse according to all that was written in the book of the law, verse 35. There was not a word of all that Moses has commanded that Joshua did not read before the assembly of Israel. And the women and the little ones and the sojourners. Rahab was there. Her family was there. All who had come to faith. And this one true God was there. The people of Israel were there. And their faith was flourishing as they gathered, acknowledging the presence of God, giving place to his life-giving, faith-empowering, sustaining word. And we didn't read it, but before they even gathered, it says they offered a burnt offering and they offered a thank offering. Say, we don't, we don't kill stuff. We don't offer stuff like that. Why did they do that? Because their gathering had a centerpiece, watch, 
of the cross of Jesus that was to come and the ultimate offering in Christ that was going to come years later. We, when we gather, we have as center the cross of the Lord Jesus that makes it all possible. We gather and we celebrate the presence of our God and we gather and watch, we give, we give place to his word and in that, we pursue the gathering and our faith flourishes as his people. And by God's grace, we want to continue to pursue the things that God has called us to. Pray your faith flourishes. Pray it's founded in God's promise. I pray you're making decisions as you think God's thoughts. I pray you step out in obedience and faith to his word. And I pray our faith continues to flourish as God's people as we spur one another on. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the truth of your word. And God, I ask for me and I ask for my brothers and sisters that we would walk by faith, and not by sight, and that we will be able to say it is well with our soul. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.